The following is a special presentation from Pastor Joanne Ramsey and Speak the Word Ministries. We trust God's Word will bless you as you listen to this message. Here's Pastor Joe. God said in His Word, He said, All I have is yours. All that is mine is yours. Hallelujah. What a statement, saints. What a statement. As a matter of fact, I'm going to repeat that. All I have is yours, He said. All that is mine is yours. That is awesome. He is saying that you have access to everything I have. The Lord is even saying that He gives Him good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And I'm sure most of you are familiar with that scripture. In Luke 12, 32, He says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Saints, that's exactly what God continues to tell us in His Word every day. It is my desire this morning to show you through the written Word of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit, just how much He loves you. I am just a mouthpiece. I'm just a vessel. I could not stand up here and do this on my own. And most of you in here, some know me and some don't, but the ones that really know me know that I'm not capable of doing what I do all the time. But the Holy Spirit will use anything and anybody. All He's looking for is a willing vessel. He's not looking for one that has all the gifts and the talents. He can provide you with everything that you need. Every gift and every talent I have, the Lord has provided me with it. He gave it to me. Maybe I was born with it. I don't know and didn't know it. But I did not know it until he began to pull them out of me. But I believe that he gifts you and gives you the ability to do what he calls you to do. You just have to step forth. And some days it's harder for me to step forth than it is for me to step forth in other days. You know, because I'm just as human as anybody else. And the enemy attacks me just as much, maybe sometimes more than others. Because he don't want the word to get out. But the word is going to get out today. And it's going to be a good word. And I believe this word is going to bless you. The title to my message today is God is bigger than your box. In other words, God is bigger than your situation. No matter what you're going through this morning. You, sometimes we put God in a box and, and we, we, we limit him by putting him in a box and we feel like that, you know, he can handle this kind of like the Israelites did in Isaiah. They said, you know, he can do this, but he can't do that. So the Bible says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. So we limit God all the time by, by putting him in a little box and not allowing him to come out. But he is bigger than any situation and he can handle any problem or any situations you might be experiencing today. In Luke 15, 31, the Lord gives us this parable of the lost son, who also is known as the prodigal son. I'd like to begin reading this verse uh, this morning in verse 31, which is the last verse. This is where the father is talking to his son that was feeling angry and jealous of his younger brother and also feeling like that he should have gotten a lot more than his brother because unlike his brother he had not run off somewhere and he had not abandoned his work and he had not abandoned his father but he had stayed home he said and he had worked hard so he felt like that he had not gotten any recognition or credit for all of his hard work and I'm sure that a lot of you online this morning listening a lot of you in the congregation this morning have felt that very same way yourself that you have worked hard you have given it all you've got but yet you feel like you've got no recognition and you've got no credit for the work that you're doing. But let me tell you this this morning. If the work that you're doing is for the God Almighty, you are being recognized 
and you are being acknowledged for the work that you're doing. As a matter of fact, he says it doesn't matter what the public eye sees. He says the blessings they give you has nothing to do to compare to the blessings that I'm going to give you. You know, and that's why he tells us what we do to do in secret. We do what we do in secret for him, and then he rewards us in public. And I'd much rather have the blessings of God than to have the praises of man. And that most people do what they do to get the praise of the man. But God is saying, my, my, my rewards are so much greater than what his is. And it says here, And his father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Think about that for a second. He said, you're always with me. Each one of you this morning, he is saying, I am always with you. The Bible says, I will never leave you. He says, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. That that means when the times are good, and time, it means when the times are good, when the times are bad and when you don't feel like it, he's still there. He sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything. Are you listening to me, Seems? Let me repeat that. For he is not talking, for he's talking to you too. He says that you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. That's a big statement. And that's in the Bible. I believe what's in the Bible. If the Bible says all he has is mine, then it's mine. It's like when David and I got married. All that was mine was mine and all of his is mine. <laughs> Can you wise relate? <laughs> but it's true. When David and I got married, we shared what, what we had. We shared. As a matter of fact, even before we got married, he began to share share with me things. And, and so as a husband and wife, we become one, and so we share. But as we become a born-again Christian, a child of God, we become one with him. So what everything belongs to him belongs to us. You know? And so... Some people may not realize it, just like in some marriages, maybe they don't have that same understanding, but that's the way it should be. But with God, that's always the way it is. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke 15, 11, and we're going to read this parable of the lost son. This scripture, I believe, is an example of the grace of God, the mercy of God, and our Father's great ability to forgive us, and I think this is awesome. Not only does he have the great ability to forgive us and then turn right around and forget what we did. Wow, think about that. Saints, how far does God remove our sins from us? According to Psalms 103.12, it says he has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. That is an immeasurable distance because east and west will never meet. Selah. Selah only means just something. Think about that. David used that a lot in the book of Psalms because he would make these statements and he would say, Selah. In other words, he, you need to stop there and read that again and meditate on that and think about it. And that's what he's saying. When he says he has removed them as far as the east is from the west, they're never going to meet, never coming back. In other words, it says that he sweeps away our transgressions according to Isaiah 43, 25. And saying sometimes our unconfessed sins will hang over us like a dark cloud. I know I've had things to hang over me like a dark cloud. And I'm sure that some of you in here have too. But you know, the good thing is that God has promised to sweep them away like the rising sun burns away the morning mist. Thank you, Jesus. That's so awesome. You know, people can't do that. Sweep away our sins, that is. But our loving Father can. And He does that every day over and over again. 
praise His holy name. You know, in Micah 7, 18, ask, Who is God? Who is a God like you? God not only erases our sin debt, but He destroys the document on which our debt was recorded by nailing it to the cross. Think about that. In Colossians 2, 14, in the Marian Bible, it says, Having canceled the debt ascribed to us in the decrees that stood against us, He said He took it away, nailing it to the cross. Hallelujah. You know, that is some shouting. He said in 15, And having disarmed the principalities and authorities, that he made a public spectacle, a spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In other words, he says he's disarmed his powers. He's disarmed his principalities. Don't let that escape what I'm saying this morning. I'm just reading them. I'm reading the scriptures, but don't let the meaning escape you. He's saying, I have disarmed the powers. I've disarmed the authorities that he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So the, through the blood of Jesus, he has disarmed the powers and the principalities against you. And as a child of born again, child of God, you have the, he's given you the power because in Luke 10, 19, he says, I've given you the power and the authority to trample upon the scorpions and upon the snakes and no harm shall come near you. Amen. As a matter of fact, he said, don't even boast in the fact that these uh, spirits are subject to you. He says, but boast in the fact that your name is listed in the Lamb's book of life. So our names are listed in the Lamb's book of life and we have this authority and that's not even something that he thinks we ought to even boast about. It's something that we ought to take for granted that we have been given this power and this authority. We are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus. I believe that the parable about the prodigal son is a good example, as I said before, of just how loving and gracious our Father is and how forgiven He is. In Luke 15, 11, Jesus says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between the two sons. Not long after that, it says that the younger son got together all that he had. He gathered it all up and he set off for a distant country. And there it says he squandered all of his wealth on wild living. Maybe he went to Las Vegas or someplace. I don't know. But he squandered it. In some translations, his brother implied he had squandered it on prostitutes and, and whatever. Maybe he was gambling and everything. But he squandered everything that he had on wild living. After he had spent everything, he said there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. You know, a lot of people won't think, don't think much about that, but most of you know that pigs were considered unclean by the Jews. As a matter of fact, the Jew was not even allowed to touch a pig. And as a matter of fact, some Jews today still don't eat pork. They, they, you know, it, it's, it goes against their um, religion. Sometimes, but so, so it says that when he took the job feeding the pigs, it revealed that he had fallen as low as he could possibly go. When he as a Jew was out feeding the pigs, something he shouldn't even be near, he'd fallen pretty low. Sometimes, though, we have to hit rock bottom saints before we come to our senses and recognize that we've messed up. But thank God He's just waiting for us to return. I thank God all the time for saving me. I thank Him for rescuing me. I thank Him for forgiving me and, I, and giving me a new heart. I thank God that He's given me a new heart and that heart is after Him. Saints, unlike, unlike people, He never reminds me of any of my mess-ups. 
You know, people are really famous for reminding you of every mistake that you've ever made. And, you know, even if they have to write them down, they can recall, most of them don't have to write them down. You know, they can recall them from year after year after year, everything you said, every word you said, everything, everything that you did, they're quick to remind you. But unlike people, God never reminds you of any mess up, but continues to encourage you. As I said, he continues, when you ask for forgiveness, he puts them as far as you from you as the east is from the west. He cast them into the sea, never to remember them no more. Not because he can't, he has the ability to remember, but he chooses not to. And I love that. Romans 8, 1, so now, therefore he said, there is no condemnation who belongs to Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no condemning. A lot of people think God is the one that's condemning them, but God is not the one that's condemning you. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. The Bible tells you very clearly in Revelations that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. God is not accusing you. He says, now therefore there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you belong to Christ Jesus, then there's no condemnation. And it says, it goes on to say that the son longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave them any, but no one gave him anything. And verse 17 says, when he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. You know, the son recognizes his foolishness and he decides to return to his father and ask for forgiveness and mercy. Brothers and sisters, I have spent I have repented many times for trying to do things on my own, as I'm sure many of you have repented a lot for the same reason, of trying to do things on your own. I I believe that most of the time we are all not, I believe that most of the time that we're not all really aware that we're we're trying to do it on our own. In other words, I don't think that you're aware that you're trying to do it on your own. Most of us think that our trust is in God. When we're doing these things, a lot of people feel like they're being led by God to do it. But they need to take the lead out of the pocket. <laughs> God is not always leading you. You know, people have to use that excuse for everything, you know. You don't have to have a spiritual word behind everything you say. If it's something good to do, then he's leading you. You don't even have to say, I'm feeling led. Like I said, some of us need to get the lead out of our pockets. <laughs> Don't know where that came from, Lord. But anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Saints, we need to recognize that our Father is anxiously, anxiously waiting to help us and all that we have to do is ask. Regardless of our need, it could be we need this morning. It could be that we need healing in our bodies. It could be that we're experiencing a financial difficulty. Whatever that might be, the Lord is waiting for you. How many of you in here today, Saints, struggling How many are struggling with your finances or your sickness in your bodies or how many are listening online this morning that are struggling with some of the same issues, not recognizing that it's God's desire to give you everything, that it's not His desire and it's not God's plan for you to suffer. As a matter of fact, it it contradicts the Word of God because in Jeremiah 29, it very clearly states, and you need to start reading the Bible and know what the Bible says because He says in 29, that he knows the thoughts he's having about you. There are good thoughts to do you good and not harm you, but to give you hope and a future and an expected end in some translations. But that's his plans for you. And it says in verse 18, Then the son said, Well, I'll set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Let me pause a minute here and say that you are not a servant anymore, saints. He does not see you as a servant either. John 15, 15 says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not understand what his master is doing. But I called you friends, because everything I have learned from my father, I have made it known to you. And isn't that what he told his disciples when his disciples asked him, Jesus, why are you teaching in parables? He said, but he said that he taught them in parables, but then he would go and explain it to them. He tells us everything. He doesn't hold back anything from us. You are a child of the king with the benefits of a king's child. Are you hearing me? And King Jesus has made you worthy. He made you worthy through his blood. He has moved you, saints, from a position of beggars to one of kings and priests. I might say that there's still a lot of people in the kingdom this morning that are beggars, begging and pleading with God. But I will let you know that according to the scriptures that God is not moved by begging. He's not moved by pleading. He's not moved by your tears when you're begging and pleading. He's only moved by your faith in him and his word. And, and he honors his word. He doesn't honor the other. But the Lord says that he feels, he feels your pain. But it's not his fault if we're not getting it right. But when we get it right, then he moves right in. Do you notice that? Do you hear me, saints? 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are a royal priesthood. And Revelations 1.6 says that Christ has made us kings and priests unto God. Praise the Lord. Do you hear me, saints? You are a valued person in God's sight. You are the apple of his eye. A worthy person. You are a worthy person. You're no longer a slave, nor are you a servant. God says in Romans 8.15, he says, For the spirit which you have received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, which we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. Daddy, Daddy. Saints, we have been given everything. Your value, think about this. Some, something, uh, the value of something, is the, it, your value is determined by the price someone paid. You know, so when they set the prices for the new cars or new homes, they set it at a price, they value at a price that they think the people would pay. You can't set it above what you think somebody's going to pay for it because they aren't going to buy it. But your value is determined your value is determined by the price someone would pay to have you, brothers and sisters. And God paid for you with the blood of his son. He sacrificed his son and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the price that he paid, according to 1 Corinthians 6:20. This is the truth that I need to emphasize. He himself, talking about God himself, have made us. He tells us in 1 Peter 2:9 that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, God's own purchased people. And he also tells us that we have been given exclusive, and I'm sure you know what exclusive means, fellowship with him. It is a faith-inspiring fellowship, and he doesn't use the words like I may or I might. God uses words like I will bless you, I will multiply you, I will heal you, 
and I will prosper you. These are the words he used. Saints, you need to think about that for a minute. Let those words just sink in. He says, I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will heal you and I will prosper you. Do you remember in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, this is this where, when, where God was making promises to David. He told David, he said, I will set up your seed. He was talking about Solomon. He told David, he said, I will set up your seed. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. There was no I mights and there was no I maybes in those word saints. There was no uncertainty in the promise that he made for David and neither is there any uncertainty in the promises that he has made for us. And David said in verse 19 that this was a little thing in the eyes of God. In other words, setting up his throne was considered a little thing. Think about that. Do you sometimes find yourself making your problem bigger than God? Do you sometimes glorify the problem in a situation and make it bigger than God? I think we're all guilty. I am too. Sometimes, you know, I do the same thing. You know, just being a pre preacher don't make you perfect. You know, you, we're still in school. We're still learning, aren't we, Pastor? Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we're still learning. When King Solomon was praying, his, praying the, his prayer of dedication for the temple, he reminded God of his promise. Solomon said, You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. He said, You have spoken with your mouth, and you fulfilled it with your hands. In, in Second Chronicles 15. Hallelujah. Saints, you have to get a new mindset. You have to read God's word. And you have to find out how he feels about you and begin speaking his word over yourself. You know, I teach, this is a little different than what I normally teach, and I have been doing that a lot lately, but it still comes right back to speaking God's word. You have to speak what God, you have to come into agreement with the word of God and speak what God says about you. You have to take his word and you have to apply it to that situation, no matter what it is, if it's health in your body, if it's finances, death in your family, whatever it is, you, there is a word there that will take care of that whatever that situation is you are going to be amazed brothers and sisters when you learn what your father really thinks about you and the only way that you're ever going to really learn what God thinks about you your father thinks about you is when you get in and read the word because his word you know it's not you know people said the Bible it, it contains the word of God it does not contain the word of God it is the word it is God doesn't contain it it is the word that is his word the word says in Luke 15 that while he was still a long way off talking about the prodigal son that his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him he said he ran to his son threw his arms around him and he kissed him kissed here means and uh, means lamay in the Hebrew which it means that he kissed him over and over and over again when he ran to him in other words, his father embraced him and kissed him over and over again. It's like if you somebody you haven't seen in a long time and you go and you greet them and you, you don't think anything about it. You just throw your arms around them and you start kissing and kissing and kissing because you're so excited. You're so happy to see them. You know, I've seen people you know, just hug them and just kiss them and kiss them and kiss them. And that's what he was doing. He just embraced him and he was kissing him over and over again. But you know, I hope we don't smell like this, but he was doing that even though his son smelled like a pigsty. He was still loving him. 
And he also did this before his son even had a chance to say anything. And I might say this morning that sometimes that you might deal in a situation where somebody's on drugs or, or uh, drugs or alcohol or, or maybe you have a family member or a child or whatever that you're dealing with and, and maybe they've come back. But you can minister to them uh, and you can love them in the, in, in the shape that they're in, you know, and you don't have to lecture them, but you can love them and, and just... You just, you, the Lord just wants you, wants them to know that they can come to Him. It doesn't matter if they're being on drugs or if they're alcohol and covered in alcohol and smelling. I used to go into prisons and minister every Sunday morning, you know, and it smelled pretty bad in there, probably about like this pigsty. Because some, you know, they'd bring them in on Saturday night and I'm in there ministering on Sunday morning and washing off a place on my, on the table, you know, get the syrup off so I could put my Bible down. And you got all some people, sometimes they'd be more than 40 men in the cell. Sometimes they'd be 60, which they'd be laying on the floor and everywhere. And some would be snoring. But, but you keep on. God, God, he loves them enough that he sent me in there to deliver the word. And, and during those years, 11 years of going into the jails and the prisons and working as a chaplain and ministering to them, a lot of people were born again. A lot of people accepted Christ while they were still in prison. And when they got out, some of them became pastors. But does it, God loves you. God loves them. And He don't care who you are and what you're going through. And, and, and He's the same way with our family. I, I have some family members myself that I'm working with. And I'm loving them. And that's what you have to do. You have to continue to encourage them. And that's what God did. He continues you. He doesn't remind us of our mess-ups, but He just continues to shower us with love and shower us with blessings and, and encourages us. That's the only thing that's going to make a difference in anybody's life. You know, reading them the right, Ike, and, and bringing it, throwing it up in their face every chance you get is not going to change a person. It's only through love. Love is the only thing that will change a person. And only that through Jesus Christ. The prayer and love. You just keep praying for them. Just like I keep praying for some of my family members that are very dear to me. I've lost family members because of things like that. And I'm sure that a lot of you online listening have too. But you don't, like I told my son not long ago when I'm ministering to him, praying him, sometimes you can't blame yourself for everything that happens. You know, sometimes we take on a lot of guilt and, and we blame ourselves for things and, and, and what it does, it begins to destroy you. But that's the enemy. God don't want you to be destroyed. It wasn't, you know, like when his son died, it wasn't his fault. It's like I tried to explain it, you know, when my husband had deceased, it wasn't my fault. You, you have sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and shake it off and keep on going because you, you can't accomplish anything by staying there and dwelling on it because that's what Satan wants you to do. He wants, and I don't know where this is coming from, but the Lord is speaking to somebody either in here or online, but he wants you to shake it off and he wants you to, you know, to forgive yourself because sometimes we find it easier to forgive others than we do ourselves, but he wants you to forgive yourself and give it to him and let him handle it, you know, and, and, and we have to understand too that we cannot ever change a person, but we can change ourselves by the way we respond to others and how we treat others. We can ask God to help us to see others 
and that particular person through his eyes and through his love. You know, and, and, and it hurts. Like I said, nobody is exempt from pain and trials and tribulations. The moment that you said, I do to Jesus, they began. And they're going to continue. But that's okay. We got, we got the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit living in us. He just said, I've triumphed over all of it for you and given you all the power and authority to handle it. But a lot of people don't understand that they have this power. And he said that, um, but you know, when he was kissing this person, his son, I, you know, I wrote and he said that, you know, that's agape love. That's unconditional kind of love. And that's what we all need as Christians, as children of God, representing our Father, is agape love. Agape love don't look for the wrongs and the mistakes in a person's life. Agape love is unconditional. That I'm going to love you. It's just like if one of my children um, or, or one, of, one of my family, whatever, I'm still going to love them. And that's what I'm trying to say. That's what God is trying to say this morning. I don't remind you of your messes. I'm just going to keep on encouraging you because I know that you're a human. You're just like dust. He even refers to us as dust. He knows we're going to make mistakes. But he also has given us everything that we need to keep going. And all we have to do is keep calling on him and he'll keep us strong. Are you hearing me? You know, you might be surprised to know that in that time and in that era, it was not fitting for a man over 30 to run. In those days, they wore these long robes and they had to pull them up in order to run, which revealed everything. But the father was so happy to see his, hum, uh, uh, so happy to see his son coming home, he didn't care. He just threw caution to the wind and he pulled up that robe and he took off running. You know, if you can just uh, get a picture and an image this morning in your mind that, you know, the, the older gentleman, you know, he picks up his robes. Yeah, I think in the Bible they refer to it as girding, 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 girding it up. And he took off running as fast as he could to get to his son. And that's what God is waiting for us this morning. He's waiting to run. He'll run to us just as fast as he can. All he's waiting for us to do is just ask. Hallelujah. Things our Father feels the same way about us, as I just said. He's so pleased when we seek Him for the things that we need instead of trying to do things on ourselves. He doesn't want you doing things alone. And that reminds me, uh, David and I, uh, this past week, we, last week, we were on vacation. We went to celebrate our anniversary, and we stayed in this very nice hotel in Charleston, uh, South Carolina. And I like, uh, when I stay in a room, I will... You know, I like my coffee the first thing in the morning when I get up in the morning. So we stay in the hotel. I usually set up the little coffee pot they give you in the room, you know. So the next morning, all I got to do is push the button because, you know, most times when you wake up in the mornings, you don't know where the button is. So, and I don't want to turn the light on and wake David. So I usually get up before he does. So I get it all set up. And, but this hotel, it didn't have a coffee pot. It was very plush. You know, it was a five-star. You know, it was, like I said, it was our anniversary. So we was going all whole hog, you know, or I might say David was. And <laughs> so it, it was very nice. And so we were there to rest and relax. And I don't like having to get up in the morning and go anywhere if I don't have to. And so we had breakfast delivered every morning at 9 o'clock. 
And, and that's very unusual because at home I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning and getting with it. And next thing, we're, we're, we're on the treadmill by 7, usually a little after 7 at the inlet, you know, working out. But this is our honey, this is our vacation. And we could not believe that we slept that late. We woke up when we weren't five to nine, and I told David, I said, you got five minutes <laughs> to get your clothes on. You know, they're going to be bringing breakfast. And I thought, well, maybe we should have said ten. But anyway, <laughs> the funny thing is, what my point is, like I said, they didn't have a coffee pot in there. And, and so when the young man or woman, because they had different ones bringing it every morning, brought our breakfast, nice, you know, and they, he said, nice pot of coffee and all the nice hot breakfast. And I said, you know, I noticed that you don't have a coffee pot in here. And he said, oh, no, we don't put coffee pots in here because we don't want you to have to do anything by yourself. You know, and, and as I was going over this this morning, I happened to think about that, you know, because how much more, our father, how much more? You know, the hotel guy, he said, here at the hotel, we want to spoil you, in other words, and we don't want you to have to do anything. In other words, we're here to serve you. As a matter of fact, when they came in the door, David was trying to walk behind the lady, and he wouldn't even, she wouldn't even let him. He, she says, I'm here for you. You know, you walk before me. I'm here to serve you. Our Father is here to love us, to serve us, to help us, to give us anything that our little hearts desire when we ask him. If we ask him in faith, based on his word, he don't want us to have to do these things on our own. And the point I guess I'm trying to make this morning is that, two, two, two points really, is that we can always come to our Father no matter how bad the situation is. And, and, the, and the second thing is to remind you that he wants you to ask him to help you. He don't want you to try to do it by yourself. Because he knows if you try to do it by yourself, you're going to mess it up. And then he's going to have a bigger mess to deal with. So, not that he minds, but it'd be a lot easier on you. It's not that it's easier on God, it's easier on you. If you let him handle it to begin with. Are you hearing me? That's awesome. And verse 21 says, The son said to himself, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father answered him by telling his servants, Quick, bring the, best, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I, I thought about that this morning as I was looking at that. When the young man came back and he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father did not answer him by agreeing with him. Hey, yeah, yes, you are. You're not worthy. You're low down. You're, you know. <laughs> All you do is stand around and complain. <laughs> he didn't say any of that. You know, you, he, he, well, that, that, the other son was going to complain. And this, this is the son that came back that spent all his money. So he didn't remind his son that he had already took everything he had and divided it between the two sons and that this son had gone away and squandered all of it on wild living. He didn't remind him of that at all, did he? No more than God does. He says, but he responded by telling the servants, he said quickly, he said, bring the best rope and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and he's alive 
He was lost and now he's found. Hallelujah. In Luke 15, 10, it says, I tell you, there is great joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. So they began to celebrate. They began to party. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of his servants aside and he asked him, he said, what's going on? Your brother has come, he replied. He said, your father has killed the fatted calf because he has back. He's got him back safe and sound. But you know, that's the same place that I might add that God wants us. He wants us safe and sound. Saints, the older brother was not one bit happy. And when, and when he comes in from working in the fields and discovers a party going on, a party to celebrate his younger brother's return, it says that the older brother became really angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he says he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You've never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Sound like a pity party? <laughs> I've heard people say that. I've done this and I've done that. You've never done anything for me. But you've always, always favored this one or favored that one. I've had my children tell me that. You know, I've done this, I've never messed up, and this messed up, but you favor them. That's not the truth, but that's the way they see it. But what they see is you loving them and trying to help the same as you would do for them. But it wasn't my fault if they it was it was to my credit that they were behaving. <laughs> and I didn't have to do that, you know, other than the ones that weren't behaving. You know, so sometimes they don't they don't see it that way. Think about what the son has just said. He said he'd been slaving for his father for years, yet he had not been given even a goat to celebrate with his friends. If his father had all these servants, don't you think about this? If his father had all these servants and all these cattle, you would think that his father was a pretty wealthy man, wouldn't you? Think about that. And his brother stated earlier that even the servants was better off than him the one that was in the pigsty. He said that the servants were eating better than he was. I would suggest to you that he probably didn't even have to work. His father had servants to do the work. And I'd liken that to God's children today, always trying to get things from God that already belongs to them. And that's one of the things of the message this morning is that everything that you could possibly want or need, God has already provided it. That's what he's saying in this word. I, I'm always with you. Everything that is mine is yours. So we don't have to keep begging and pleading to get it. As a matter of fact, I taught a message once called, You've Already Got It. You know, I really believe that most of God's children are still trying to earn things today that are already rightfully theirs. I believe that all of you in here and listening online love the Lord with all your heart. And yet you're still not receiving from your father what he wants you to have. And some of you may even be angry when you see others around you being blessed. Maybe like the other son, the brother, the son of the, uh, the brother to the prodigal son. Maybe he was jealous. God says that everything he has is yours. Think about that. He's not a respecter of persons. You know, Romans 2.11 says he's not a respecter of persons. In other words, he's not showing favoritism. And Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, which means he already has, 
blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Any blessing you could ever need or desire from the Lord is not something to strive for, saints, but something that you've already have. God made the provision before you ever had the need. Think about that. His word tells you in Ephesians 1.10 that he has prearranged and made ready for you to live a good life. Thank you, Jesus. In closing, let me remind you of what the Father said. He said, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Praise his holy name. It is just a simple matter of receiving what he's already done. The benefit of you getting a revelation this morning and being assured of this is enormous. If you just get a revelation of this, it will be the difference between your receiving from God and not receiving from Him. It will kill the legalism and the performance mentality. Performance mentality meaning that you feel like that you have to work for everything, that you have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. Jesus earned it for you through the blood of Jesus. The cross, He's earned it for you. He's paid the price for it already. And that, my brothers and sisters, will take a huge... When you get, when you get a revelation of that, and, and that will kill that spirit of legalism and performance mentality, it will take a huge load off of you to know that you don't have to perform to receive but just to trust the Lord. I know what I'm saying is messing with your mind sometimes and, and your way of thinking with what a lot of you have been taught, but this is what the Word says. God's plan for you and me is that we rule and reign in life as kings. We reign because we have authority. We reign by Jesus Christ. And as I've heard Brother Hagin Sr. teach many, many times, we are not wandering like beggars. We are children of God. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I believe that as believers, some of you have allowed the devil to cheat you out of every blessing that you could be enjoying right now. But he don't want it to be that way. As the Lord has said, son, daughter, you're always with me and all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. And that's an awful lot. It's an awful lot. And like I said, just like the guy in the hotel said, they didn't want us to have to do anything for ourselves. Remember that the next time that you're trying to do things on your own, that God don't want you to do things on your own either. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to honor you. He wants to serve you. And if man can do that, how great are our Father who owns it all? You know, they're doing that to treat you nice. You know, and we like that, don't we? We like being pampered and treated nice. It was nice having the food brought in every morning and not have to get up and get on the treadmill and work out. <laughs> it was nice, even though I still missed my coffee pot. But, <laughs> but you know, sometimes we have to let go of things. <laughs> in order to get the greater things, right? 